0: You're listening to a podcast from 702 and Cape Talk. 702 and Cape Talk, the Literature Corner.
1: Let's have a bit of fun today. Give us a call right now. Tell us about book titles that you think are perfect. They really just get to the heart of what the book is about. Maybe something you read when you were a child at school, or maybe something you're reading currently. But let's also be not too nice to publishers, because they're often the ones who impose titles on authors. What is the title that you've come across that is really horrible? It had nothing to do with a book, or it was just a terrible title, full stop. O double one double eight three oh seven oh two call us in Joburg and in Cape Town in O two one double four six oh five six seven. And joining me for this lecker conversation is one of our most uh, well loved South African authors, Fiona Snickers, who's here with me. Hello Fiona, it's lovely seeing you.
2: Hi, Eusebius.
1: Thanks so much for coming in.
2: Thanks for inviting me.
1: I am multitasking because the whole morning, while earnestly talking about hate crime legislation and other stuff, I also kept my eye on your Facebook page where there's a wonderful discussion going on about exactly this topic. Who's going to go first? You.
2: Yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, I've got plenty of titles as well, but let's start with either one that works or particularly bad title.
2: Okay, let's go with beautiful titles Titles that everyone remembers hmm. And that are just so lyrical and gorgeous um, You'd have to think of The Unbearable Lightness of Being Yes You might not immediately remember What the book's about But <laughs> <laughs> that title will stick in your mind um, To Kill a Mockingbird mm. um, so, uh, I see it's on some lists of titles That have nothing to do with the book But it actually does have to do with the book Because uh, To Kill a Mockingbird is a sin in this society because a mockingbird is a gorgeous, beautiful thing that just sings and gives pleasure to everybody and is a metaphor for the character of Boo Radley, who yes. it would be a, a sin for anything bad to happen to him. And of course, something does. Um, but I'm I, so I glad think you say that because the title. whole morning
1: when I saw To Kill a Mockingbird on your status update, I was like, okay, I keep like professing this was one of my favorite set works at school and I couldn't quickly enough like do justice to the title in my head
2: okay, okay um what else lovely titles i I'm a big fan of, of the title Gone with the Wind um I think it's become one of those iconic titles mm-hmm. um Gus Silber, who you mentioned earlier uh reminded us about catch twenty two yeah which um entered the language out of nowhere to become a saying in its own right yeah, um
1: you know a simple title that that I really liked was also a set work for me at school. And I think it is, it's also accurate in terms of just depicting what the book evokes is the old man in the sea.
2: Oh, yes. That's, that's a beautiful title. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, authors were sort of aiming at something like that when they went for the old man who climbed out the window and did something or other. It's a very long title. Mm. And then there's a little old lady who also walked out the door and did something or other but those titles become so long that they don't stick in your memory you just sort of go the old man and blah blah blah
1: (laughs) (laughs) where does the power lie with deciding titles by the way who comes up with your titles let's talk about some of your book titles what is their origins how do you go about deciding them because i was explaining to my colleagues uh when i said to them i want to have fun this week about book titles that Obviously, for us as authors and for publishers, you want to ideally achieve two things. You don't always get it right. You want the title to result in book sales. Mm-hmm. And then the second aim is you hope you hope for a title that does the book justice in terms of what the book at its heart is about. And sometimes we don't get all of that.
2: Yes, and as you were suggesting earlier, it's not always you, the author, who gets to choose the title. Um, my first published book was Trinity Rising, but that wasn't the title I originally gave it. I was guilty of long title disease. I originally called it the Fabulous True Adventures of Miss Santon 2009 I love that <laughs> Ameri-
1: American authors are particularly into lengthier titles than we are And I found that here in South Africa we like snappy titles But now I see the publishers very scared that the snappy titles may not be understood Are now giving a lot of, especially in, in non-fiction Then you have a long subtitle as yes. an explainer almost
2: Yes, yes, yes um, yeah, I know the publishers It was Jonathan Ball at the time Did not go for that at all <laughs> And um, because we were contemplating a series mm. We were trying to unify it With a sort of single series name mm. So it became Trinity Rising Which gave birth to Trinity on Air And Team yeah. Trinity and so on um, And I think in the end they were right I still have a kind of affection For that old title of mine But I, I think they were right Well, sometimes it's not, the snappy
1: ones work, right? Like Now Following You I mean, mm. it just jumps out at you, the title
2: yeah, yeah, I, I like that one. I chose the title and the publishers were happy enough to stick mm, with it. So good stuff. I don't regret
1: that. Okay, let's listen to, before we talk about uh, titles that haven't worked for us, um, our callers want to take part. Just put on your headphones for me, Fiona. 11 double one, double eight, three is a really awesome book title that, I don't know, it's either beautiful on its own or it really captures the heart of what the book is about. Uh, in Cape Town, give us your suggestions on 21 446 good morning.
3: Hey you how are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, I'd like to talk about uh, Nick and first two books, Doggy Dog and After Tears. Yes. Uh, which he explained were uh, used as a metaphor for the new democracy. So if you remember, those titles are perfect because they actually tell you what is happening in the story. In Doggy Dog, we find things through this university student and it's consumed by the party life in university, just skipping classes, and in the end it's faced with other things, things like HIV and AIDS. And in After Tears, it's mainly talks about this guy who fainted his low degree and had to lie, you know, to to the parents because they were asking, when are you getting a degree and all of that? And he had to lie and then ended up relating to, you know, buying his degree, and the story is told, and I'm sure you've read the book. But those two titles for me... Like I
1: agree. I couldn't agree with you more, ah, Sipo, and you've summarized it yeah. so beautifully, especially After Tears, because it's such a layered title.
3: Yes, After Tears of Democracy. What is happening? Uh, did we win, or are we winning? And it's powerful. Eh? Mm. It's powerful stuff, those two books.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, Sipo. I see you agreeing there, nodding. Those, those are lovely titles.
2: Yes, they are. And yeah. that title, After Tears contains a layer that many white readers won't get. Yes. Which is the, yes. <laughs> um, after a funeral, the kind of party after a funeral is known as the after tears. Um, and I wasn't aware of it when yeah. the book came out and so became educated about that. So I love that. And even dog, eat
1: dog, right? Because it's, it's, on the one hand, it's very simple, but that's also the beauty of simplicity when it does work. But it also, as Sipo summarized the, what the book's themes are about, it also immediately, speaks to the grittiness of what is being, the grittiness of what is being depicted in, in, in his work.
2: And Nick's new book, Soweto Under the Apricot Tree, is lovely as well because it just evokes that sort of sitting at the storyteller's knee and being told stories about this community that you live in. That's right, yeah.
1: Shall we take one of Kate's ones on your wall? Kate says, the man who mistook his wife for a
2: head. Oh, yes, that's a, it's a non-fiction book, isn't it, by that psychiatrist? Um, that's right, psychiatrist, by, by Oliver Sacks. Oliver Sacks. Yeah. yeah, that's a very evocative title. In fact, I think that non-fiction writers get it right quite more often in a way than fiction writers do. Mm. Um, I think one of the best titles of all time is Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Sex – but we're too afraid to ask. <laughs> <laughs> now, that was published in the 1960s, and it, it sums it up. I yeah, mean, you does. don't even need a blurb after <laughs> that <true>. title.
1: <laughs> Phil, good morning. Morning,
0: Sirius. And, and your guest there.
1: Yeah, Fiona, what what do you want to uh, contribute, Phil? What uh, titles good, come to mind for you?
0: Good show so far. Um, the, I've got three titles, and they're, they're linked <laughs> with a figure of speech. See if you can get it. First one is... Cry the beloved country. It's Alan Payton, nineteen forty-eight.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: The grass is singing. Doris, uh, Doris Lessing, nineteen fifty. And the cruel sea by Nicholas Wanserat is about nineteen fifty-three. Okay. Uh, what's the pathetic? What's her? Uh, oh. uh, you gave it away. Ah,
1: <laughs> oh, that was pathetic, Phil But good try <laughs>
0: you, Obviously you do know what it is Yes, yes. we
2: do yeah. there, there are a couple of um, figures of speech at work there You've got the metaphor, you've got the transferred epithet and you've got your pathetic fallacy as well.
1: Yeah, (laughs) stunning. Well spotted and making those connections as well. D, good morning to you. Okay, we've lost D there. We're going to take a little bit of a break. I know many of you want to call. I'm going to tell you which book, and it's funny that Fiona is praising nonfiction writers in particular. On the other side of this, she's going to tell you which titles she thinks are just awkward or haven't worked. I'm going to tell you, as I promised this morning, which nonfiction book that I think – Is good enough to win many awards, including maybe next year's Alan Payton, but is probably the most deceptive title that I've seen in years in South African nonfiction. 702 and Cape Talk, The Literature Corner. Yeah, we're having fun with book titles, uh, and I'm hanging out with Fiona Snickers. We're talking about book titles that are beautiful, evocative, that capture the heart of the book. But let's flip the script. Tell me which book title. Um made you excited about a book. You then read it and you thought, wow, that had nothing to do with it with a book. This title deceived me. O double one double A three oh seven oh two in Johannesburg and in Cape Town on O two one double four six oh five six seven. I'll go first this time, Fiona. I was just sharing with you during the spot break there. The Land Is Ours by Timbeck and Yukai Tobi is a brilliant book. It has got nothing to do with land. And <laughs> many people I mean, it was so funny, like the whole of the EFF leadership was, was at the Concord, in the Concord foyer at the launch of the book. And I thought, Only like, only oh, you guys actually read this book? <laughs> <laughs> what it really is, is a brilliant history of black legal thought. And it is not about contemporary land. That's not what it's chiefly about. So that's the first deception in the title. The second thing is, and I could be wrong here. I think the title, certainly for me, and I know reading is um, – very subjective you bring yourself even to the title of a book. When I see the title "The Land is Ours," I expect it to be polemical in terms of style, maybe even an angry pamphlet. Mm-hmm. And actually the book is as cool and calm as a cucumber from its, in terms of its tone. It is a serious academic examination of black legal scholars that have always been rendered invisible. And I can wax lyrical for 30 minutes why this book is award-winning. could have been a PhD thesis in constitutional history, for mm-hmm. example. But it is not polemical, and it's not about land.
2: You have to wonder what happened there. Did a marketing department sit down and quite cynically decide to sort of trade on a hot-button issue, which is the land? Yeah, I think so. Um, is that what I happened? Th- I
1: think so. And it's, it does the work an injustice because if the land issue magically gets um, solved tomorrow, mm-hmm. then many bookstores will not want to stock the book in large quantities because they, they will think the hot button issue has now been dealt with. So that's the other risk in, in doing that. The the other example was I don't know whether you've read Hadley Twiddle. No Oh my goodness You would love his collection of, of essays mm-hmm. They reminded me a lot of Rebe- Rebecca Davis's book oh, yeah. Best White and Other Anxious Delusions And it's just the most beautiful little vignettes About society and observation Everything from the history of the N2 highway in Cape Town To how we were all, well, mostly the white kids in our classes Obsessed with Roaccutan mm-hmm. during the rave culture of the 1990s So it's a lovely set of social commentary Guess what they call the book? Yeah Firepool
2: Right, yes, well, yes, I know what you're it's talking about. It's not a Zuma about. book, yes. so in
1: that case, I think marketing department was trying to capitalize on our anxiety about Zuma.
2: There was a book of short stories that came out oh, about 10 years ago, and it was called Load Shedding.
1: That's right.
2: (laughs) And the story had absolutely nothing to do with load shedding. And I happen to know that quite a few of the authors who contributed were very unhappy with that title. But it was another attempt just to sort of (laughs) tickle people's sensitive places and think, oh, this is something I want to read. But in that case, I think it ended up backfiring.
1: I think it did.
2: Okay, what have you got for us?
1: You had a lovely (laughs) – you have to read out the one you put. I don't know if that's the one you plan to say on air. (laughs)
2: I've got quite a few here that I was dubious about saying on air Let's start off lightly Um, The big book of lesbian horse stories Now not only is this a terrible title but it's confusing too Because are the horses lesbians or is it horses for lesbians? What exactly are these stories about? And worse it seems to be a children's book So um if adults are confused children are going to be confused there too. that too Sounds
1: very weird. Was <laughs> the author?
2: Um Do you know? I I think it was it had quite a few people contributing to it also one of these okay. collections. <laughs> um and then we had uh, it's always children's books that get this so horribly wrong. We had um a religious tract called Mommy drinks because you are bad.
1: <gasps> which no. is just awful. No. <laughs> Surely not.
2: I don't know. I don't know when it was wow. published, presumably a while ago, but uh, that's pretty terrible.
1: Jeez. That child is going to end up one day confessing yeah. to their shrink that they're still not happy with mommy blaming them.
2: Absolutely. And then we have a picture book called Pooh Gets Stuck. Which is about Winnie the Pooh getting stuck in a hole But that's not what it sounds like It sounds dreadful And there's no way that children are not going to pick up on that particular pun So uh, there's just something about children's books that uh, seem to lend themselves to some very awkward and awful titles
1: Chunky, good morning to you and welcome to the show You see, this? good morning, speaking to Chunky Welcome
0: Are you? I'm
1: good, thank you, how are you?
0: good good deceivers. i've just finished two books one written by emma Mashinini, the title the struggles followed my life and the other one by Fatima by fatima and uh, subsequently i read this book you know simultaneously i would read two chapters drop another one two chapter but one 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 thing that i've drawn in in the two you know anti-apartheid struggles heroes is that they were born I think two years apart they live in separate, different places but their vision to ensure that justice would prevail regardless of all situations you know one was a lawyer one was a unionist and uh, and uh, and what are the titles? Of, uh, the Struggles Followed Me All My Life by Emma Mashinini. okay subsequently passed on a year ago another one by, 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 by Fatima me her, her, her memoir basically you know and, and, mm. and it's and, and these two authors, uh, uh, what they've highlighted in my reading is that uh, they come from different backgrounds, but the challenges which they faced was injustice. One, they were feminists. I wouldn't say feminists, they, they, they were they were they were ladies. Two, and they, their backgrounds were not the same, but their vision and the objectives was common. Mm. Okay. Yeah.
1: Fabulous. Thank you for sharing that, Chunky. Much appreciated. Yeah. Yeah, we've got lots of examples also on on Twitter. A lot of people agreeing with that uh, first one that we talked about earlier, the unbearable lightness of being. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Felicity also gives a thumbs up for Cry the Beloved Country. Aaron, not sure I agree with you with this one, but maybe I don't get all the layers. Aaron says, Eusebius and Fiona, I love poetic titles, and one of the titles that I really love is In the Light of What We Know. And it has an epic narrative, and I need to read it again, but I absolutely, absolutely love it. Um, Yeah, I suppose different titles will work for different people.
2: Yes, definitely. Um, I know people who think that Gone with the Wind is the worst title ever, but I seriously disagree with them there. Um, How important are titles? I think they are the first line between the narrative and the potential purchaser, so... They are vitally important, um, and titles are very driven by fashion. Mm. Um, for example, books with the word girl in the title at, a couple of years ago were all the rage. If you could somehow insert the word girl into your title, you were almost guaranteed of a bestseller, or so the marketing department's thought. Yeah. Gone girl, the girl on the train, the girl who did this, the girl who did that. Um, in South Africa, we had I'm the girl who was raped. Um, which is a very serious and, and very moving book. Um, and uh, it is an appropriate title, but it probably was trying to sort of hook a few extra sales by trading on the girl fashion. And now the girl has grown up and become a woman. So we have the woman in cabin 10. We have the woman <laughs> at the window. Um, so now suddenly woman titles are the next big big yeah. thing. And as a writer, it's hard not to be seduced by um, – that fashion by that thought that if you just get that title right, if you just jump on that bandwagon, you're going to have a bestseller.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I totally agree with you. I do think they matter. I think what also goes with that, which we should talk about on another occasion because we're going to run out of time soon, is the title is important and also, of course, the cover. Yes. You know, the cover. I mean – now Falling News an excellent new is an excellent example. One of my favorite sets of cover is the covers of Decaying Mushlele. Yes. I mean look at that one. How beautiful is that, Fiona? Yes. Right? For Rusty Bell.
2: His titles and his covers. And the covers and as well. And his books. So. <laughs> well, and the books as
1: well. <laughs> but it just it, it almost like the, 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 the cover, which I'll tweet in a second for you, you can't see it. It it really sums up how evocative his his prose is.
2: Yes, the cover for Pleasure as well was mm. quite amazing. Mm.
1: Let's take one final call. Rupert, good morning.
3: Morning, you see, I was just listening in my car and I had to pull over because I have a little uh, book title anecdote that has always appealed to me. There's a, a, humor, a humorist called Alan Corrin, Mm-hmm. And he, he he had a he had a bundle of short stories and they were putting them out to market and he did some research on the three most popular subjects for coffee table books and it came out with uh, golf and cats and the Third Reich. Yeah. So he put out these books, these short stories under the title of golfing for cats, and he put a swastika on the cover.
2: <laughs> wow. That's right. He Jeez. wrote for Punch, didn't he? A very entertaining writer.
1: <laughs> wow. Jeez. Thanks for sharing that, Rupert. Much appreciated. Fiona, where can people buy your books?
2: Um, at Exclusive Books and all the many fantastic independent bookstores we've got all over the country and also on Amazon.com.
1: Okay. Thanks for coming in. It's really been wonderful having you.
2: Thanks, Eusebius.